three, two, one, go. My name's Andrea. My name's Amani, and you're listening to Raise Your Words. Today I'm joined by a special guest, Leticia, or at Bookish Girl Magic on Instagram. So that's at B O O K I S H G I R L M A G I C. Today we'll be talking about Dear Martin and some of our predictions or things that we hope will be in the sequel, Dear Justice, by Nick Stone. Hi, my name's Leticia. Like Imani said, I write the blog Bookish Girl Magic. My blog is focused on books by authors of color, um, sharing my emotions, thoughts, um, my experiences with these books. I make it a point to keep all of my reviews or reactions positive. I don't do any sort of rating because it takes so long to write these books and these authors put their blood, sweat, and tears into their projects. And I feel it's very unfair to place a number or any sort of rating or grade on it. Um, By expressing how I feel about these books, how passionate I feel about them, and the moments that happened with these books, um, I hope to amplify their voices and help generate more of a buzz around their work Um, and also to help show the publishing industry how important these books are the narratives that they're sharing that it doesn't matter if we have or haven't seen them before but the fact that all of these um, children of color get to see themselves in these works Um, I am a special educator. I work primarily with children of color and I want these books to be around for them. I want them not just for now. I want them 20, 30 years from now. And I have two godchildren who are brown children and I want these books to be there for them. And my godson, I began sending him um, children's books and all of them are centered around children of color and he now calls it his brown people library and it brings my heart such joy to hear how excited and and joyful and um how it makes him feel to have these books that the kids look like him and there are studies that show that kids who grow up with books that look with uh, with characters that look like them um they grow up feeling more confident and um and seen and so uh, the hope behind my blog is that it brings even more attention to these amazing works and the blog was created after a conversation with tiffany d jackson who is the author of um allegedly monday's not coming let me hear a rhyme and uh grown which is her most recent work which is amazing and you should go and get it and she was speaking to me about how i attend so many events and don't really have an official place outside of instagram to um to share these experiences and share my love for books and so bookish girl magic was born and um and it just really deeply excites me to have a place to uh, to share my passion and my thoughts and um, hopefully find it finds people who also appreciate like these particular works and feels the same way that I feel about it. episode will be covering Chadwick Boseman's death, Chadwick Boseman and Black Panther, Dear Martin and Dear Justice, as well as Chemical Hearts. We will also be doing a segment on other topics and we hope you'll stay tuned until the very end.
We'll be pouring ourselves a cup of chai while we discuss Dear Martin. And now we're back to the book club segment of this podcast. Justice McAllister is a good kid, an honor student, and always there to help a friend. But none of that matters to the police officer who just put him in handcuffs. Despite leaving his rough neighborhood behind, he can't escape the scorn of his former peers or the ridicule of his new classmates. Justice looks to the teachings of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for answers. But do they hold up anymore? He starts a journal to Dr. King to find out. And then comes the day Justice goes driving with his best friend Manny, windows rolled down, music turned up, way up, sparking the fury of a white off-duty cop beside them. Words fly, shots are fired, Justice and Manny are caught in the crosshairs. In the media follow, it's Justice who's under attack. I have been writing my blog, Bookish Girl Magic, for a little over a year. It started from a conversation with an author named Tiffany D. Jackson, who wrote the book, allegedly, Monday's Not Coming, Let Me Hear a Rhyme, and this seems to come out grown. If you don't know about that book, you definitely should get it when it comes out in September. Um, We talked about the fact that I went to a lot of book events and um, a lot of authors kind of know me, but I don't have like anything official to kind of um, move my opinions and my thoughts about books into and to kind of give me a way um, in more in the book community, especially since the only books I read are by books of, by authors of color. And um, I wanted a way to amplify their voices and to show more support in a publishing world that doesn't give them near the amount of due that they deserve. And so I make it a point to pick books that I feel very strongly about, that I really love and um, really feel should be hyped up more than they should. And I don't write any sort of negative reviews. I don't do any sort of ratings either. I let emotions, my thoughts, and my overall that me as a person of color, especially as a black woman, speaks out on the books that are also by other authors of color and show them that we, especially publishing, that we readers of color are paying attention and we want these books. We want them for our kids and for our families and for the kids that we work with. I am a special educator and I work with young children and most of them are children of color. And now they're getting to see these amazing books by authors and they'll have them there. I also have two godchildren who are also black children. And for me to be able to send them these books by authors that look like them, or even if they don't, that they could still relate to is really important to me. And I want that to keep going, so that's part of, a big part of why my blog exists. Um, And I have a friend who is in public, and she was talking to me about her daughter, um, and was just like, you should start a book club, and it should be a Black Girl Magic book club. And um, I was just like, I don't know if I could do that. And... So then I posted on Facebook because a lot of my friends know about how passionate I am about books. Um, And one of my sorority sisters, I'm a member of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. She said, oh, but there's no, there's hardly any books about black boys. And that led me to 
changing kind of the direction, but not fully the direction of the club. But instead of it being a black girl magic book club, it's a magical black kids book club. So it was so nice to hear the kids um, so excited about this book. So it's a very small club, only a few kids. Um, but the point is to get them reading and to have a place to talk about that book. The books that I've chosen are all books that are fantasy or sci-fi. So the second book we read and we'll be discussing um, soon is Miles Morales' Spider-Man, written by uh, Jason Reynolds, who is a big, um, he's such a big advocate for kids especially kids of color so if you and he's phenomenal that was like the first book that i read by him that was incredible um funny story is that jason and i have friends in common i used to be big in the um the spoken word community not big like as in i have a well-known name but i used to go to a lot of events and do spoken word and some of our we have some mutual friends <laughs> and like um so when i met him at BookCon, the first thing i said to him was we know people in common <laughs> and he was just like oh really who we know and i was just like this person and he's like yep but you didn't do what i asked you to and who else? And I was just like, and this other person. And he's like, yep. And then I talked to another friend who was big in the spoken word community. And she's just like, yeah, I know him too. And I was just like, this is a wild. And also those same friends are friends in common with Elizabeth Acevedo. So the word, the world, um, especially the spoken word community is very, very small. But, um, and it, but it's really cool to like read these books that are centered around black kids and and to see them in a different way. Um, I'm still like working on trying to find more books about like magical black boys, but I believe that that there will be more in the future. I found a few, so I'm I'm really excited. Exactly. About I hope that. like there will be more, um, books, especially like kind of like Nick Stone is doing i love yeah. reading from the boys perspective on the trauma and the mental health issues that went down in the book and i thought she wrote it really yeah. really well like it was so well written that i read it like twice <laughs> um that's so yeah neat because i just was like wow this there were so many nuances and like just little things in the book that i didn't realize the first time around and i feel like for that very reason, yeah. like it's so important to read the book, especially if they have so many important values. Nick Stone is a black person and she is writing from the perspective of a black person. Like if you really sat and you listened to what they're telling you, if you really sat and read and really absorbed what was said, then you wouldn't like, you would understand better. But if you're just like, if you're taking it at surface, if you're just like, oh, they're just saying Black Lives Matter, or, oh, they saw, they saw their friend get shot down, like Justice did. And that's so sad, because you know that somebody out there said, that's so sad. <laughs> Rather than like realizing like how damaging it is to see that, you know, I, Part of why I wasn't afraid of police officers growing up is because I grew up with one. My my uncle is uh, is a police officer, or was in the NYPD. I believe he's retiring now. And so, like, I always thought because he was so fiercely protective of me that other police officers would be. And then the world showed me that that's not the case. That that's not the case at all. I mean, people who are a part of the police department, who are in plain clothes, who are people of color, have been shot. So it tells us nothing about who, like, who matters in their eyes and who doesn't. Because we know, we've seen it from, like, we've learned from experience that 
it really like unless you are the right skin tone and you're wearing the right thing that it, it doesn't matter that everybody can catch the smoke so to speak and it's that it's really it's more than sad it's it's depreciating of our humanity and, and our value um and so many lives that could really infect affect positive change have been taken you know and it or we don't know what they could have ever accomplished like mike brown like you know um trayvon martin like um tamir rice we won't know what they could have been because their lives were taken from us so soon and i think that's a part a big part of what nick was was trying to to impart upon us and something she actually said that the book has very much changed like the book initially was written from the perspective of justice after he's passed like after he was murdered so he wasn't initially justice wasn't even alive when she conceived of this book and of course like we know that that has changed but imagine imagine like having to try to think about this from the perspective of a murdered black kid you know like what then what it looked like that how like how what yeah absolutely and that's something that we i mean we but we would never know we would never know like what they experienced what their life was because they were taken from us um and even with grown people like we know that Brianna Taylor was an EMT how many lives she could have saved had she not been stolen from us like we we won't we won't know any like Eric Gardner Gardner's daughter died at a young age she was just like in her i think like her 30s or somewhere in that age range like we don't like imagine the trauma of being the child of somebody who was murdered and the whole world saw it like how that like had she not experienced that trauma would her the outcome have been the same it's just like this chain that happens that people don't realize happens from that moment from that offset even in the most recent with um Jack I don't recall his last Jack name Blake. but yeah Jack Blake like his three children saw him get shot so the trauma of that Orlando Castro's saw like a fort his girlfriend's 4-year-old daughter saw him murdered so it's just like this trauma that constantly imparted upon us the same justice saw his friend be murdered in the hate you give um star saw her friend Khalil get murdered the trump the the never ending cycle of trauma that happens from these things and then to see it replayed or to be constantly talked about when they're talking about the trials like people forget like all these things that happen the 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 domino effect of it and of course like you have to talk oh think about what is going on now they completely omit the kids they omit teenagers they omit young children they act like they don't see things and that they don't internalize them when it could be when it is the farthest thing from the truth like we're seeing this huge upset i i don't remember as as a as a teenager like i i've always clearly known that i that i'm black like that's never been a secret to me but i've never felt the fear of police officers growing up as i do now as a grown woman and that 
really sad. Um, I mean, I grew up in New York, so I learned even more about racism when I went to undergrad in at the University of Alabama and where I saw um, the N-word spray painted on one of the stairs of the buildings on the campus or seeing the Confederate flag waved so blatantly or um, going to go visit HBCU campuses and seeing how there are still gates around it and how it and how it was a necessary measure then and it's still a necessary measure now to like try to find these pockets of safety for ourselves um, and it and how kids are really experiencing it now and how they're trying to speak up for themselves and and like people are not listening they're just saying oh it they're kids they don't understand or you know it doesn't really affect them but it does that that trauma that happens um it sticks with you it sticks with you in a way that is not comforting in any way shape or form so when people are telling them or us as a whole to get over it it's just like but what is there to get over because nothing's changed, like nothing's really changing. You can scream Black Lives Matter all you want, but if you aren't doing the necessary things to be like, yes, they do matter, and we're going to stop this. We're going to... Also how she touched upon um, the relations between white and black people and how, how like Justice's mom was very apprehensive towards um, towards SJ's dad, and like how she didn't want to shake his hand, and she's just like, I don't, I'm not shaking no white man's hand. But that's also a lot of what we experience too, is that we have this deep-seated distrust that that isn't recent. It didn't start 50 years ago. It started over 400 years ago. Um, and she didn't have to say that for, for especially as a person of color, for us to know that that's what she's talking about. That the the start of the trauma didn't just happen. It didn't just start with police brutality because the the history actually of the police is that they they were started as a way to find escaped slaves and to bring them back. And so. Of course, how would you trust um, something with a history like that, where a, a set of people are trying to find freedom, but your one and only um, mission is to make sure that that doesn't happen. <laughs> and then like, and then you're kind of continuing that when you say we're sworn to like serve and protect, but then it turns, but what are you protecting? Not us. When, when the whole, when you end up doing things like this, like shooting an innocent person or like, but then you don't bring, you bring in Dylan Roof who just murdered nine people in, in a, in a, in a bulletproof vest and you give him lunch. So, all the things that are contradictory of of what what we've seen and what we know. That's very true. So after the incident with the cop, the story in the news cycle changed as justice was being investigated and the trial was going on and everything that was happening and so it's interesting to see how the headlines changed whereas Nick Stone could have technically just said and Justice was feeling miserable about it but instead she chose to show us how he was feeling and that was more powerful than had it been the other way.
especially for like justice had witnessed what happened it wasn't like um like he just he he stepped in afterward he was there he saw the exchange he was you know like in a way was a part of it and then you know then for it to slowly morph into about like Manny's father about the officer like turning the officer into a victim and it's amazing because that is exactly what happens it goes from oh like it either completely deprecates the the character of the victim and then or it goes into why the 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 perpetrator in this case the officer is the victim and woe is me oh my gosh like i'm being threatened this is happening my life is falling apart but then you don't think about they don't think about the whole this is like but that was your choice it was your choice to murder somebody you know you can use force but not make it deadly but you chose to use deadly force you chose to let your the racism that's being experienced, what kids are experiencing. She's one of those people who goes to the juvenile detention centers and has talks with these kids. So with saying that, Dear Justice is, is an homage to those kids in the detention centers and what they have experienced. Because she said, um, kids used to ask her, well, what about us? What about those of us who are here that are experiencing this school to prison pipeline? Um, justice is, is different. Justice is one of those kids who goes, who's in a good school, who's going to, you know, go to a good university. What about us that might not ever experience that because of the, the what we've fallen victim to? because it's not always their choice to end up there. It's the choices that they're forced into. Um, and, and acknowledging that. So she gives those kids a voice and to let them be, because we, let's be real, when people write about black and brown kids, there's a specific type of black and brown kid that they want they want feet. They want the ones that are tied up nicely in a bow that has done everything right in the perceptions of society. And that, you know, is the what I like to call the good black person. And they're like, but not everybody falls in that category. Even me as somebody who talks a lot about books, who has gone to to, you know, gone on and done their their undergraduate degree and their master's degree and has a career, I'm not always perceived as the good black person. So it's nice to like, to see those those kids or people who fall, who fall short of that title personified on the page. Um, and another good book to read like in this vein too is the black case where this girl is from a wealthy black family and her family has done all the right things but then it's constantly pointed out to her that you're different <laughs> like you're that you have something that sets you apart and and that sets you apart is your skin color so you will always and forever be treated differently you will be seen as the threat even when you are not the threat and these are kids Quan, i believe is the name of the kid and there's mention of Quan in dear just in dear martin and that you know it's his story in a sense um but it's more than just a fictional character's story it's all these kids stories um even in even if you yourself are not a black boy or not a black person, in a way, it's your story too. Because if you are othered in any sort of way, 
you're going to face some sort of discrimination. You're going to find yourself in in a position where you may be casted as that unsavory person based on this one thing, whether it's your past, your skin, your gender, you know, your whatever your otherness is. Um, so I don't I don't have any predictions about what your justice is or what dear justice will look like but what i am excited about is how different it will be and how she's going how she's continuing to cover the hard things the the things that people don't like to talk about because it's so uncomfortable because no one likes to be uncomfortable anymore it's such an inconvenience but realizing that as black and brown people, we're constantly uncomfortable. So if she shakes some shit up, I'm excited. You know, I'm 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 excited for those those boys and girls in the detention centers and even outside of them for them to see themselves. I'm excited for short for their stories to be told, for them to have more of a voice than they had before. I'm really excited about about that that's part of the point is to like to 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 make these kids feel seen so i would definitely yeah, say like that's i'm like, really hoping it has the same and I think, sweet ending that dear martin had where it makes you think about things that are going on and it continues that conversation so i hope dear justice does the same and by the looks of the summary so far it's really, really excited for the book it comes out, if I'm not mistaken, September 29th, so that's yeah. next month. And by the time you're listening to this, it might be yeah. maybe a few weeks before the podcast airs, uh, before the book is released. So definitely keep an eye out for that if you liked our discussion, and feel free to check it out, and also check out The Black Kids. I will also link the author's names and everything about the book on our blog and we'll have more information on that on our Instagram page as well so you can check that out once everything is up thank you so much for joining me today Leticia it was so nice to get to know you especially since we've yeah. had so many offline conversations on Instagram uh, as I was kind of new to the whole bookstagram community this summer so that's been really nice and I hope we'll continue to have you as a guest hopefully in the future as well yeah I mean pick up pick books that I have read or <laughs> that I love and I will happily talk about them every single time <laughs> um, and if you haven't pre-ordered Dear Justice do it um, and there is a challenge that is going on where if you order Dear Just, Dear Martin, um, Dear Just, I believe, no, if you pre-order Dear Justice, copies of Dear Martin are sent to different um, juvenile detention centers. And um, if you use the hashtag, I think Dear Justice Challenge, then um, ARC, I think up to like 4,000 would be sent to juvenile detention centers as well. So this is, so when you give in this way, like when you're doing something for yourself, like ordering a copy of Dear Martin, you're giving to those kids so that they can continue to feel seen and to feel heard. So look into that challenge. Um, Hopefully it's still going up, going on by time this, uh, podcast goes up and you know and it's a simple challenge your justice you say I'm going to picture on your Instagram and yeah. tell other people about the campaign as well and so by doing that you're also helping kids who are in juvenile detention yeah. centers get the copies of Dear Martin because those are being donated with the funds that are used from Dear Justice pre-orders <laughs> All right, thank you Absolutely. so much. 
Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I learned actually a lot more about you through the conversations we had today. So that was really uh, great. And also, I love talking to people who are just as passionate about books as I am. A lot. Yeah. It's always fun. I, yeah, my, my sorority sisters, like, every once in a while, they'll be like, you know you're my reading I've been told right? And I was just like, no, I did not. Thank you for telling me now. Now, can you, like, go and click on my blog and, like, or follow yeah, me on I don't know if you don't know if you've heard of this book, but there's this um, book called Once Upon an Eid. It's by 15 other Muslim authors, and it's an own voice mm-hmm. uh, uh, book. So I like was mind blown by each of the characters and the stories in the book. It's, so it's a children's book, but honestly, as an adult, like I enjoyed it as well. And I was like, yeah, we need to stop telling people you yeah. can read like one genre or like one type of book because honestly there's so many life lessons in all sorts of books and that should be a normal thing <laughs> amen right like listening to um the kids so what's the magical black kids um book club like it's centered around the kids so the kids are the ones who speak the most or I try to get them to speak the most and then adults can can talk a little bit but it's mostly about the kids and um what was amazing is how much they gleaned from Siri how much they saw themselves in her character so I'm really excited to like see how they saw themselves in Miles and then subsequently um Tarasai because Ooh. our September book is Grey Bear and um Oh yeah, I have the whole list. I have up until like February of next year planned. Like I, yeah, when I'm like, I'm so excited to bring these books to these kids. And I mean, they're not kids who, um, who, who aren't, who aren't accustomed to like having books around them. But the fact that like, they want to read or I'm giving them books that they that might get them more engaged in reading is really important to me so I'm I'm super I'm super excited and it left like I was so energized after the after the discussion because like just hearing them talk hearing them talk about how Siri um was asking about what about the princesses and how they like to attack and how they saw themselves in her was so amazing and um, I don't have any boys right now, which makes me a little sad, but hopefully I will get more boys in the future. Um, but really gender is a construct. So just more kids in general. I think the books that I've picked, like the kids can see themselves no matter what the perceived gender is of that character. Thank you so much for joining me today, Leticia. I hope you all enjoyed the second book club episode and stay tuned for more. Earlier this month, we lost Chadwick Boseman to his battle with cancer. Today, Ali and I are going to be discussing some of our favorite Black Panther moments. Did any particular scenes stick out to you while watching Black Panther? Well, for starters, like Black Panther actually appeared like you know before that movie. Um, he he had like a brief little spot in um you know Captain America's Civil War, and I say I saw like the scene you know where he first appeared in the suit and he started fighting everyone, and like he was actually like almost overpowering Captain America. Like I just thought to myself like you know wow that is actually a really cool scene. You know it also got to show that like capable of like you know there was just more to him just to advance power because like. I see revenge just consume you, and I'm through letting it consume me. Like, that kind of shows, like, you know, he really did mature a lot. The way he felt about what happened to Sai, because he saw his father as, like, you know, this perfect man who could do no wrong, but then he realized, oh, you know, he committed something really bad. Like, in a way, he almost felt like, you know, hey, maybe Killmonger was, was on some level right, you know, because he has every right to be angry at us. Angry oh, yeah. that they killed his dad at the beginning of the movie, and they kind of left him there. He grew up, you know, in this incredibly horrible situation. Mm-hmm. 
So it's just kind of crazy to think that, you know, he was right in in essence. His Definitely. methodology of doing everything was wrong, you know, him. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, especially the way he grew up in the movie and how everything happened that he would be that angry. I think one of the things that I really liked was that scene where he's, everyone's telling him not to let him fight him. He's just like, well, he's kind of right, so he lets him fight him. I thought that was a pretty powerful moment, but cause mainly because like the other Avengers, I don't think any of them would have done something like that. So that already sets Black Panther aside from the other yeah, the only the only other thing I will I will, I will kind of say though is like people just think oh you know he beat him in a fair fight but like Killmonger used weapons though so like I don't really know what I call that a fair fight. <laughs> True, he did. Um, but I think the fact that T'Challa actually gave him that opportunity to fight him was something because I don't think anybody else would have given him that opportunity. Um, and that, granted, he did give him that opportunity only because he knew who he was. Mm-hmm. But I felt like that was something like we haven't seen. I don't think Tony Stark would have done. I don't think Steve would have done. Like none of the Avengers would have done that, despite how righteous they are. Um, or I guess self-righteous. But, yeah. Um, and also like uh, after like, uh, you know, T'Challa and Killmonger fought, you know, like, he took him up to see that sunset for the first time, like, you know, I don't think any of the other characters would have done that either, um, because, like, you know, like, he still had that sense of compassion, and while the other characters, like, you know, they, they may have, like, said something to him, like, I don't think they would have, you know, taken the time to actually bring him up to see that sunset. Oh, yeah. And then, like, I love how they also had a great mix of humor in the movie as well, like, despite all the dark moments mm-hmm. that happened. Like the Shuri and T'Challa moments, that was very entertaining. Um, yeah, and that whole beginning thing at the beginning, where like that guard was like, "No, don't freeze, don't freeze, don't freeze." Oh, yeah. he rolled like a deer in the headlights. I also love the fact where um, T'Challa is like, "Oh, you're coming to like the ceremony tomorrow," and she just gives him the middle finger, and I'm like, "Yep, yep, that's <laughs> sibling rivalry right there." <laughs> Yeah, that was just that was, that was actually a pretty funny scene, honestly. Like, there isn't really a character in that show I don't like. I mean, in that movie, I don't like. What I mean, was it? Who? I mean, who was it? <laughs> oh no, there wasn't a character I I didn't like. Oh, there wasn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, like. Yeah, I think even the villains, like they were really strong villains, and you kind of understood their motives. So it was hard to hate the villains too. Yeah, I mean like, that Jabari dude maybe was a bit much at times. Like when he made that when he made that joke, I was like, okay, I have a dark sense of humor, and even I'm like, yeah, that's not that funny. Yeah, that was a bit much. But I think one of my favorite characters in the movie, other than T'Challa and Shuri, would probably be Nakia. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because I loved how like strong she was despite everything that just kind of happened, and mm-hmm. the fact that she was T'Challa's ex but they had a pretty amicable relationship. I thought that was also interesting. That's not something you see a lot in movies or shows or even superhero shows that the character has an amicable, uh, I guess, relationship with his ex, which is really entertaining and interesting. Yeah, because like someone like Tony Stark, for example, he would never have that considering all the people he's pissed off in his life. That is very true. Tony's a whole other story. I was actually really surprised that Tony and T'Challa get along pretty well in, like, I think it was Endgame or something. So that was another interesting aspect. I, I mean, like, to be fair, like, they were getting along prior to that because, like, um, because keep in mind, they were on the same side in uh, Civil War. They, they were on oh, the same true. side. True, true. And then, like, the other thing is, I think I originally thought that Tony and T'Challa's relationship would be pretty similar to Tony and Doctor Strange's relationship, which was hilarious, but I guess it would be too redundant to have him, I guess, go head-to-head with every adventure that he <laughs> Yeah, plus, like, I guess, like, on some level, they also, they're also kind of, like, both... When they both find out that uh, Bucky Barnes was, in a sense, responsible for the deaths of both their father, I guess they kind of had that in common. Oh yeah, that was that was an intense 
one. But also, sadly, not too surprising since Bucky wasn't even in his right mind when he did all that, so... Oh yeah, no, like, that is true. <laughs> but... I would say, what was, like, some of your... I mean, I know this is probably going to be a harder question, but what was some of your, like, favorite scenes in Black Panther? Oh god. I guess that is, like, kind of, like, a tough question. Um... I don't... It's, Do you it's have kind of... any? I mean, honestly, like... I don't really think there's any, like, one particular scene I didn't really like. I mean, like, I guess, like, the only thing I didn't really like was, like... I guess all this... The yelling and chanting, I was just like... Oh, God, they have to do this every time they do something big? <laughs> like, I get yeah. it and all, but it's like... I get that it's supposed to be a sense of pride and all, but I'm just sitting there like... Okay, yeah. cool, I guess. Like, the first couple of times, it was kind of cool, but then after a while, I was just like... Oh dear lord, because they don't just do it in that movie, they do it in every movie where, like, you know, like Wakanda makes a big appearance. <laughs> but, like, yeah, that, that's just I, a me thing. True. I also really like the world and everything, but I also agree with you on that part. That part was a little bit, it kind of took me out of the story a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But, like, the rest of it, I don't think, like, in terms of characters and plot wise, it was probably one of the better Marvel movies out there, actually. Because there wasn't a single scene where I was like, I'm bored. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, honestly, I, I think, like, for someone like me, though, like, considering the, the history died with the Marvel films, like, it's, I usually almost always like the Marvel films. Like, it's very rare for me to dislike a Marvel film. Like, there's only maybe, like, one Marvel film I don't really think would be that good. Which one is that? Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah. You love that. Which I know is probably a very unpopular opinion because a lot of people apparently like her, but. I don't know. I tried watching the movie and I just gave up halfway through. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, one thing I will say is like, I think actually the only kid ca- when I when he asked me about the characters I disliked, um, I think the border chat guy he was like, I don't know, I still think he was just kind of an ass the whole time. Like, oh yeah. Even like before he, he betrayed them, <laughs> I was, he, he was still kind of an ass, and I'm like, just dude, like he tried his he tr- like granted he didn't see the fights, he didn't see what happened, you know, when they were in Korea, but I was like, dude. He tried. He tried. <laughs> yeah, that guy was interesting. But it was, I think it was also interesting because I think the first time I watched it, I didn't see that one coming. But, like, knowing what was going to happen, I was just like, this character is the worst. <laughs> yeah, he is just such an ass. I didn't like how, his, like, I felt like there should have been a little more to his story for his reason to, like, betray or whatever. But, I don't know. I felt like that scene was kind of rushed in terms of him betraying them. But I guess, I mean, not all betrayals have to be portrayed in yeah, like smooth fashion. But I just thought it would have been a nicer touch. Definitely. And I think also another thing that I... Like, they probably showed us, like, one of the earlier films. But, like, I think he had, like, some personal like, animosity towards uh, Ulysses Claude, and, like, I just kind of, like, forgot why. Like, because I'm guessing, like, during, like, one of his attacks or something, he killed members of his tribe or something like that, because it kind of seemed to me, like, out of everyone, like, he had, like, a bit more animosity towards him than, like, you know, some of the other people. Oh, yeah. I did notice that as well, especially since he was the first one running towards T'Challa when all that happened towards the, like, latter part of his movie. Mm -hmm. So, that definitely was something. And then... I have to say, like, although, like, Chadwick Boseman, obviously, like, he was one of the best. He was probably the only person I could see for Black Panther. Like, I can't picture anybody else playing him. But, I don't know. Yes, same. Like, (laughs) it would be like if they brought back someone else besides Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. Like, I, I just can't see anyone other than him. Exactly. Like, you know, even the guy that he based his performance off of, Elon Musk, I, I just can't see anyone else. Yeah, I mean, because they just embody their characters so well that it's, like, how would anyone else play that role after them? Like, I could see maybe them saying that Shuri will be the next Black Panther, and I would be for that. But I think if they were to try to have another character play Black Panther, that would not probably not be the best direction to go in considering the huge fan base yeah and like i yeah it's like i heard uh it's like i remember one time i saw someone make a post that yeah they would like zuri to do it but like 
I think I also heard another person say that they would be happy if they brought if they use like one of like the Infinity Stones to bring back Killmonger as a good person. And mom and I'm like, yeah, that could work, but honestly, I don't think. But considering what he did to the people, I'm not entirely sure that that would be a good idea. Yeah, um, that and would like, probably have its own consequences too. Yeah, and then like back. the only other person I can maybe see is them doing uh, the Mbaku guy. But oh yeah, uh, I yeah, and also like same thing with Killmonger too, because like there's like that girl he was in a relationship with. I mean, sort of, because like he didn't really care care much about her apparently. But they could have maybe shown a bit more of that. Because <laughs> he still oh. killed her. That is also true. That was a very interesting scene. Because it was so... It's kind of graphic. But I was also like... Well, I guess it goes to show that he has no heart. And that's what they're trying to show. So, like, alright. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Also, like... He need, he knew what he needed to do. And he wasn't willing to let anything stand in his way. Like, he that had been preparing true. almost his entire life for that one moment. It was kind of interesting because even in the end where he was telling T'Challa how, like, he didn't want to be in bondage and so he would rather be dead. Mm-hmm. And that scene was a very interesting scene. I thought it was also kind of, I guess I wouldn't say nice of T'Challa, but I guess it was good that he respected his wishes. I mean, not that he really had a choice, but I thought that was a very intense but powerful scene that probably others overlooked. I don't know. I thought that was a great scene in the movie. And then, like, also, honestly, all the fight scenes were really great. The only thing that I could say was, like, really stood out to me was when they were trying to find, I think, what was the name? Claw? Yeah, Claude. Or Claw? Yeah, Claude in the casino. Claude. Yeah. So that scene was probably one of my favorites, especially with the getaway cars and everything like that. Oh yeah, that 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 whole scene where like Zero was like driving a car, but like, she was like still in Wakanda. Like I thought that whole thing was like really cool. You know, it's a real tragedy what happened to Chadwick Boseman. Um, and yeah, you know, I think another really sad thing too was like apparently like I think there was like some video of him earlier before his death, and, like he was looking really skinny, and just the, the fact that, like a bunch of people were saying nasty things about him, like potentially being addicted to drugs and all. It's like. You don't know what someone's going through at the time. Like, the people were just so quick to judge him. So it's like, oh, god damn. It's just, it's a shame. Yeah, and this was even before, like, everything was released. I mean, no one knew that. He, I think no one knew except for his inner circle that he had cancer. So the fact that he kept that pretty hidden from the public was something. And it says a lot about his character. I actually really admire the fact that he kept that hidden for so long because, I mean, that's a really personal matter, and no one else needs to know unless definitely wants it. Um, wait, but I think one last thing to say though was like, uh, I looked up. Apparently, he he found out about the cancer in uh 2016, and the first movie he appeared in was uh the Civil War film, and I think wow. that came out in like 2017. So the point is, like, he did like all these Marvel films while battling stage three cancer. Like that just goes to show you how incredible an actor he is. The fact that he was able to do you know all those heavily action oriented films while battling this terrible disease. Definitely. I think it also shows how picky he was with the roles that he chose because everyone remembers him as Black Panther and not like a stereotypical role that many like Black actors have to go into. So I think that's another thing that many fans can remember him for. Yeah, but honestly, though, like, who knows what they're going to do with the character? Um... I mean, honestly, like, I could see maybe three potential choices, but none of them would, you know, beat still having Chadwick back. But right. I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens if they do decide to do something with the character. Yeah. I mean, I would be okay if they decide to just include him in comic book strips and not have another sequel if they don't want to take the route with Shuri. Like, if they were to have anybody else play Black Panther, it would just be... It wouldn't be the same. Yeah, it, it really wouldn't be. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Lee. Thank you for having yeah. me. Of course. And if you want to see what Ali is up to, feel free to follow him on a S H A M S H A D ninety six. So that's a Shamshad ninety six on Instagram.
word from our sponsors before moving on to Chemical Hearts. I was actually really surprised by how good Chemical Hearts was. I thought it would be, at least from the trailer, that it would be terrible. I know, 100%. I remember um, I saw it on a YouTube ad because I was watching a YouTube video for something, and then it just looked like absolutely, like, the cheesiest of the cheesiest, like, of horrible. But yeah, it turned out that it was uh, somewhat interesting, like an interesting coming-of-age uh, story with some heart. No pun, or I guess all pun intended at this point, a chemical heart. Uh, it also got some pretty big actors, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Let me pull up the cast again, because I, I, I guess by accident I deleted the I tab. Um I got it. Reinhardt and Austin Abrams. And Austin Abrams is from Euphoria. Lily yes. Reinhardt, as everyone knows, is from Riverdale. Yeah. Um, so it was actually kind of cool to see these two together in a movie because I don't know. I guess I didn't really picture it as something that I would have, I guess, like, I don't know. I didn't picture them being in a movie together, but it, it actually turned out really well. Like, I really like, I was really impressed with, like, Lily Reinhardt's acting, especially, well, if you used to watch Riverdale, you'll know how much it sucks, whereas I feel like that's completely, like, the writer's fault or the director's fault, even, it's not even the actors at this point, um, but as far as, like, Euphoria, Euphoria is pretty amazing, so it was definitely interesting to see both of those actors, or actress and actress, actors, Actors and actresses. Actors. Uh, actress. Act, uh, actors is male, actresses is women. Uh, female, I don't yeah. know for non-binary. So I, I, I'm, I, that part we haven't figured out, but like hopefully Hollywood will soon. Um, so yeah. for, to see them in the... The way that he felt and the characters felt, although like we haven't been in school in like five ish four or five ish year. I don't remember it's been a long time it's been it's been a while it's been a while feelings and all the, the all the like in your mind and everything I just forgot about that I was like oh god no wonder I was so stressed out during like those like years in high school and you just you're like oh thank god I, I don't have to go through that pain again good god just like overthinking on like stupid stuff and you know, going through your first love and like feeling the heartbreak and everything. You're just like, oh my, I, it just, it's it, when you're, it's, I feel like I'm reliving it again. And you're, and I forgot, wow, like how much of a roller coaster of emotions it is. It's oh, yeah. so, a crazy and then, like, time. The interesting thing is, like, in the beginning, he talks a lot about how, like, it's a mundane year for him and there's nothing really special or ordinary, like, out of the ordinary happening. I'm just thinking to myself, like, I don't ever remember wanting high school to be something out of the ordinary. But I love how, like, in all these typical teen movies, that's what they make it. And a lot of the time, you're just sitting there, like, he hasn't, didn't happen, probably not gonna happen. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's, I remember, like, yeah, like, right, like, we're the generation of, like, when we were watching, like, high school movies, like, when we were, like, in elementary to, like, beginning of middle school. It's like, oh, yeah, high school's gonna be so cool and everything. And then you go in it and you're like, oh, thank God, can, when can I, when can I leave? And then you leave and you go to college and you're like, oh, this is fun, and then you're like, oh, God, what do I do for a job? I'm like, well, but my, I mean, minus all that, like, it's, I remember it was called the bird challenge. It's all I remember, because, like, people were making a challenge out of it, and then, like, someone got in a car crash. Bird box. Bird box, yeah. Yeah, like, Sorry, high school. it took me a minute. <laughs> no, no, great, that's what we need. From that one scene where, like, uh, oh, should we say, should we put a spoiler warning? I don't, yeah. Uh, spoilers if you haven't watched the film go for it and come back to this timestamp. hi did you see it okay we can listen to it now all right so there's this one scene where um like she's with the boyfriend like she's in the the dead boyfriend's room and stuff you know because of the situation and then like uh what was it henry henry was just like you're giving me mixed messages like I don't know what you want and I just felt like he was kind of pressuring her I'm like dude she was it was just like bro her boyfriend died it was really awkward yeah like watch it's not even awkward I think the for me it was just more of like 
I'm just like, is this guy stupid? But I'm like, he is a teenager, so like, is it really that far off? But I think it's just more of like, you can have a little bit of empathy. Like, it's more of, oh, it's been, it's been a year. You know what? You should get over it by now. And I'm like, bro, like, even if it's been a year, like losing, like losing the love of your life in a car accident. Good God, you know that that that's like a traumatizing experience. It doesn't take like a, all right, I'm better now. Let's do it again. Like, no, bro, that that, that takes a while. <laughs> It'll take a long time. I like like how they showed that throughout the movie, that it, like, though there were instances where she kind of felt okay, there was also a lot of instances where she was still trying to grapple with everything that happened. So that was pretty interesting. And then also seeing, like, how he was starting to become more interested in her by looking up the headlines and seeing different things that happened in her past and kind of out of curiosity or also a concern maybe a mix of both yeah so. I, I forget he was kind of stalkerish I, i'm like I, I forget. yeah i know it's you like someone edward cohen I, I have not ever seen twilight but that could be a cringe special I, okay i've seen like 20 minutes of it i think like that's like the it's scene where he's running like. up the trees or something and i just could i i literally i think i was like 13 or 12 years old like i peed it, my pants it's not it's not worth your <laughs> Or it could be a cringe special. That's potential, baby. That's free real estate, Amani. <laughs> That's free real estate. Um, yeah, like, it was just more of, oh, where I'm going with this tan. Yeah, like, he was just, like, like creeping on her and stuff. And I'm like, bro, like, give her some space. Like, I'm getting, like, here, I, what was it? I think, I think Friends talked about this or How I Met Your Mother. I think it was How I Met Your Mother, right? Like, the mm-hmm. acts of kindness in films where if the person recipiates with them, right, that it's like mm-hmm. a sign of or a big romantic gesture. But if the recipient doesn't feel the same way, it's straight up like code red territory oh, yeah. stalker, like call 911. <laughs> and like that, that's kind of like how, I mean, I'm not, I mean, she did like him. So it is, recip- it is reciprocated, but just bro, it's just kind of weird. I mean, it was a little strange that she was staying in his bedroom and living there, but yeah it was interesting i don't think so because like she said that they were family like they were childhood friends and they considered her like family so like i didn't no 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 what i'm saying that was creepy is no not her i meant henry (laughs) Uh, the protagonist i'm not talking about her no she i mean she was a weirdo like i I won't gonna lie like especially like the scene where um i don't know like she's just going in the water and shit i'm like okay that's but like again it's they're they're teenagers weird they're supposed to be deep like oh yes this is the symbolism of like i mean like again it's it's been a long time i kind of i'm slowly becoming like a corporate like a corporate white guy where i'm like this is what the teenagers like right you know so i'm like i I'm somehow remember to like i gotta keep up with things so sometimes i go back but either way it's more of um like just henry just being kind of a creep that's kind of it that was kind of it um that's what i was talking about no um no uh what was her name again good god why do why do i keep t- turning up i guess subconsciously it's like let's just close this tab oh yeah with grace with grace um yeah she was just yeah it's more of um i didn't mind her mooniness as much as besides her being a teenager just her going through like a very traumatic experience you know um because going through traumatic experiences aren't really the most perfect stuff like perfect stuff it's not the most perfect way of going back at it you know you're just you're going through all these emotions and stuff so i don't really blame her but uh yeah, the rest of the cast was pretty cool. Um, shout out to the cute, uh, the cute little couple. I forget their their characters. Like they worked at the magazine. Oh yeah, yeah. No, they're really cute. Well. Yeah, they're they really were. cute. I shipped it. Like that's what helped me kind of keep going through the film. I'm not gonna lie. I also loved the like friendship between the characters and the staff, and like that was that was great. Yeah. Um, and then I would say like. They have some pretty good quotes, too. I actually jotted this one down. Oh. Um, there was one that said, I think this was Henry who said this, but I'm not a hundred. Yeah. So Henry is the one who was saying that he is better at writing. And so, like, one of his quotes is, like, I don't know how I feel, how I really feel about something until I sit down and write about it. And I was like, yeah, as a writer, I can relate. <laughs> you're like i'm vibing with this (laughs) and then it was funny because there was like some other lines in there that were kind of dramatic like 
being young is so painful it's almost like too overwhelming and I'm just like "Eh, maybe maybe in some ways but also not really Mm. but yeah what what did you think of the movie like overall like was it surprisingly better than you expected it to be or yeah i i would say that i was i was ready to tear it into shreds like watching like a k-drama like i was ready to tear in cheesiness and everything but somehow i'm like no it's like it's 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 cute that sounds rude i i shouldn't say that because i've 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 heard calling something cute is very like what sort i'm not gonna say discriminatory because like that's kind of that's a little bit very far off the top of uh, somewhat degrading that's it how when I say cute, I don't mean it in a degrading way. I mean it in a very, like, fluffy, um, like, endearing. Like, oh, like, this is something, like, like it, it actually reminds me cute. of the... Yeah, it's, like, cute. But, again, is <laughs> I, I I guess maybe in my past, when I say cute, people are like, oh, how could you? And I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, I'm sensitive, but, like, you're being a little bit over the top. I'm the queen of sensitivity. It's more of, like, it reminds me of, like, the perks of being a wallflower, sort of cute. Just sort of, like, the coming of age, you know, sort of, like, re- the realistic touches it has, but also kind of being, like, a fluffy sort of Saturday morning, like, cartoon at the same time. So touching on teenage and mature subjects, but also, like, keeping it kind of, like, fluffy and um, edible. There you go. Edible? Digestible. Yeah. Yeah, so she's the writer. <laughs> And I just, I'm kidding, uh, you know, in more of a digestible, uh, entertaining way is the best way I could really describe it. Or I don't know, would you, would you, would you say fair, agree with my comparison to it of being like on the lines of like the perks of being a wallflower, like on that? Because you probably remember the film more than I can. Actually, I thought it was uh, The Fault in Our Stars more so than The Oh yeah, you did say that. Why, why is um, that? I don't know. I feel like with all the monologues that happened, I was like, this this kind of resembles that. And then also, like, the dynamics between the characters kind of resembled each other a little bit. I mean, you know, minus the different scenarios that occurred. So I would say it had some Fault in Our Stars vibes, and then it also had, like, its own twist to it. So, like, that was, I guess, a little bit more, I guess, I want, I'd say refreshing in a way. Mm. And like I really like that because like I We hope you enjoyed today's segment on Razor Words. Stay tuned for more. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on Apple Podcasts or whatever you're listening it from.